Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back, and let's go right to the phones. And joining us from Tightline Outdoors is Dustin Ziegler. Good morning, Dustin. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? I'm doing great. You know, uh, it's beautiful yesterday. It's going to be beautiful today. In fact, I put a post on Facebook that I had to decide today whether to go chase some big bass or whether I should be out in the patio with my music group, Wickstrom and Dobrith, with some wine working on some new releases. Both are really tempting. And I'm going to announce my decision later on in the show. And I got a ton, I got a ton of feedback on Facebook, Dustin, and everybody yeah. wanted me to go fishing. Nobody wanted to hear me sing. So does that tell you anything? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't blame them, man. I think I, I was on there and I told you to do some bass fishing as well because that bite is hot right now. <laughs> well, I, and I, I, will, I will expound them. Well, we'll talk about it probably a little bit here. But, you know, when we, um, I might even reveal my decision, but this time of year, I had, I had a uh, hall of fame angler, Steve Panaz on in the beginning of the show. And they are, you know, he's looking out at the lake and it refroze last night and they don't have their official opener for most of the main game species until into May. And so they don't get to fish year round or for a lot of the species we do, or as early as we do. Here we have opportunities where up in the mountains we still have some some fishable ice. We've got the trout that are coming alive in this cold weather. We got the walleyes, and like you mentioned, the bass. So there's just a lot to choose from, isn't there? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this is a a multi-species state for sure. I mean, you almost have to chase around the bite, um, but if you can get it dialed, uh, just as we have, uh, you have excellent opportunities across the state, and that's why we love Colorado for that one reason. Why don't you start bringing us up to speed on what you're seeing out there? Well, I think it's uh, safe to start out just with high country. Um, we're seeing the ice conditions fade pretty dramatically. I mean, it's, I would say there is fishable ice for sure. Um, you know, if you're going to 11 miles, it is sketchy on the shorelines. Certain parts you can access if you, if you bring boards with you and you can get past uh, the shallows out to the good ice. Um, there's excellent opportunity out there for those spawning rainbows. Uh, whether it's near the inlet or near the boat ramps out there, you're going to have excellent opportunity at catching fish. Um, of course, all of those outlets, you know, whether it's the spinny or inlet, spinny inlet, 11 mile inlet, any inlet up in the high country is going to have rainbows, uh, stacking up in there and very, very active. Uh, so that's one thing that we like to, uh, first start out with. The other thing, um, and just use a ton of caution. I mean, first ice, late ice, you've got to use caution. I know we were on it all season long. We still probably have 20-plus inches of ice on some of these lakes. Um, but the shorelines fade, and there's little soft patches that start to happen. And so just use your spud bar. Use common sense. Make sure you're doing that. Um, if you're worried about it, start fishing any open water uh, with inlets or, uh, you know, in those general areas, and you're going to have success. Um, well, I, th- I, I think I, I want to yeah, piggyback on that real quick. The, those trout, as this ice recedes, both even down here we saw that, and we're still seeing shoreline, both stocked and holdover fish. Some of the best shore fishing, where I always get asked more about shore fishing, some of the best shore fishing of the year is right as this ice is either gone off or is going off, 
And you're right, those rainbows are in shallow. If they can't get in the inlet, they're on the shore. The browns follow them to eat the eggs. It can be some of the most spectacular trout fishing of the year up and down Colorado. Absolutely. We were on the ice at 11 Mile uh, just last week and chasing those spawning rainbows uh, near the inlet and near the boat ramps. And it was incredible. I mean, you'd, you'd have, you know, 40, 50 fish days and uh, just action-packed days. So they're very, very active. They love the water temperature, and, and they're feeding up for that spawn. So you're exactly right. If you're a shore angler, as, as the ice recedes, um, I would definitely make a trip up to the high country to do that. Right. Now you were going to go to the walleyes, I think. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll touch on walleye for sure. That's, that's my pride and joy right there. I absolutely love it, and it's excellent right now. So we're seeing water temperatures fluctuate a lot right now. Like you had mentioned uh, with Brad earlier, you know, you'll have a cold front move in and cool those surface temperatures, and then you'll have, uh, like today and tomorrow, warm front come in and, um, you know, really raise those water temperatures. And it happens dramatically. We have small bodies of water, so um, big temperature swings. So what we're seeing is right now we have at Cherry Creek Reservoir, about 25, uh, I would say about 30% of the fish are still probably actively spawning with about 70% post-spawn. Um, Chatfield, roughly the same numbers, but about 75% are post-spawn with 25% still spawning. Water temperatures, now they are anywhere from about 48 degrees, 47 degrees, on up to about that 53 degree mark. Now, when you have those highs during the middle of the day, that's going to warm up those shallows on both bodies of water, and you're going to have a lot of those, especially the bigger fish, really cater to that. Um, they're going to move in shallow and soak up that sun. They like warm water. Um, as far as those cold fronts coming in, um, it doesn't shut them down, I would say. I would say it just moves them a, a step deeper. These fish that are post-spawn and actually out um, you know, feeding, they're going to be feeding heavily still and uh, can be basin-oriented. We are starting to see fish hit structure, though. So, like, on right now, today, with our high temperatures coming in, it would not surprise me that a live bait technique would, would be very productive just because fish are going to start to show up on structure when that water temperature gets into that 55-degree mark. So we're seeing that happen. If you're fishing Cherry Creek, um, it's no real secret, but lead core line, um, and paddle tails or crankbaits has been the ticket. I mean, we're seeing, you know, 40, 80 fish days. We're limiting out in two hours. Um, so the fishing is just absolutely excellent out there. If I'm going for a big fish, I'm really looking in the shallows. And it, it's time, you know, you spend a lot of time doing it. You're working a lot of these shallow flats, you know, seven foot and shallower. Um, you can use about right now a spinner rig um, behind planer boards or you can pull cranks, or you can even pull uh, stick baits in that shallow zone, and you're waiting for the bite. You know, you're not going to have action like you would with the lead core bite in the basin, but you're going to have a, a big fish for sure uh, take that bait. So that's an excellent opportunity out there. Chatfield, we're seeing that bite uh, really get going with those post-spawn fish. Whether it's the evening or daytime, it's both the same. Now, the water level at Chatfield has, uh, is still very, very high, and so a lot of those fish are utilizing shallow cover, shallow water. They're hanging just outside of that timber, um, soaking up the rays. And so you can pull just about anything you want. I would say stick baits have been our go-to um, with planer boards trolling around that timber and just in shallow water, four foot to seven foot. And we're catching a bunch of fish, whether it's daytime trolling or it's evening. Um, both are very, very productive. So um, if you are a walleye fisherman, now is the time you're going to see 
numbers just skyrocket. You're going to have great days on the water. And uh, those cold fronts, I don't, I don't think it shuts them off at all, um, especially with that lead core bite. I've had days out there when I'm in a blizzard. My reels are frozen. My rod's frozen. My boat's frozen, but I'm out there just whacking fish. And so excellent, excellent opportunity for walleye right now. You know, I want to go back to Chatfield a little bit in the discussion. The water level's high. I assume it's getting up into brush and trees like you talked about in the timber. For for somebody who doesn't want to troll or their boat's not set up for trolling, do you think there's a pretty good uh, bite casting crankbaits and jerkbaits up in that shallow water, or would you approach it differently? Um, yeah, so essentially think of it almost like bass fishing is the way I would approach that. So you would, if, if you can, you put your electric motor down um, and you would just put it real slow, you know, 0.5, 0.7 miles an hour and just kind of cruise and cast trees until you connect with stuff. The thing about it is you're going to have multiple species, not just the walleye are in the trees right now. I mean, you're going to see bass that are, you know, pre-spawn. They might move up when those temperatures rise. And so they'll be in the trees you're going to have a multiple different sources of species in those trees utilizing that cover. And so it can be an excellent just fishing opportunity in general to just go through and pick through those. Now I would really focus on wind direction. So if you don't have a wind app or something that's going to tell you what the wind has been for the last five days and what direction it's been blowing out of, the wind will definitely move that warm water around and it'll give you an idea of the most productive area of the lake. And so I follow that religiously, especially this time of year. You're going to see bait fish move with that wind. Um, you know, zooplankton and all of that's going to move with the wind and the walleye just follow suit. The warm water is what the walleye want and what the bait fish want. And so they constantly are moving with the wind. So make sure you check on that to see which end of the lake you're going to want to fish and what part of that general area is going to be most productive holding that warmer water. I I couldn't agree more. And I was going to bring up and you hit on it. And that's the fact that that warm water in shallow right now is really the attraction. There isn't even necessarily the warmer water to the game fish. It's to the bait. That bait is getting pulled in there. There's more plankton they're eating and every species is going to go where the, where the bait fish are, even if it's just crawfish, but there's minnows, there's shad in there, and it just really everything goes there to eat, and it just makes for a great experience. Uh, Do you have a favorite lure you would cast into those areas? Um, I do a lot of trolling. If I was to cast, I love, and and this goes even to last season, I love a hair jig. I love some kind of jig, um, to be honest with you, Terry. Uh, Whether it's a longer curly tail jig or paddle tail, something with, you know, a real floppy tail on it, not a ton of thump. Um, I keep it light. And that way, when I'm fishing timber, I'm not actually worried about, you know, if I lose a jig head in a plastic, it costs me a buck. Or if I'm casting a jerkbait, I'm losing more than that, right? And so I like to be effective and efficient that way. Um, if I were to cast a jerk bait, I right now I would say a, a husky jerk or something that is going to dive no deeper than six foot. Um, I prefer something that suspends. So sometimes those rogues are a real good option. Um, anything like that. You can fish the outside of this cover. A lot of these fish are just outside of it. So you can fish it parallel, almost treat it like, it's the shore, the tree line is the shore, and cast parallel to it, and you'll bring fish out to you. But I absolutely love working plastics and hair jigs. Real slow, just a lift and fall technique to that. 
and uh, it's produced several fish for me already. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Both those are tremendous opportunities. I like to have rods rigged with both and kind of work the cover depending on how I think it's holding. Last thing I do want to talk to you about is I bass fishing. Right now, whether it's the lakes and they're in pre-spawn, whether it's the ponds and they're getting closer to spawn as we warm up, this is one of the best times of the year. People don't realize how many good bass fishing opportunities there are in Colorado. How do you approach this time of the year for the bass? Absolutely. So uh, most of us know of Matt Inslee, uh, just an outstanding guide for us um, and just a, an incredible angler. But I've been out on his boat at Quincy Reservoir, so one of uh, the greatest metro bodies of water to catch bass, in my opinion. And uh, we've had excellent days. He had a bag yesterday that probably would have won a Masters. I mean, he had a, a guided trip with two guys, and they boated, I don't know how many, five-pounders, four-pounders. And there are all those big pre-spawn females that are staging the spawn. So most of those fish right now, and I'm talking water temperature is about that 47, 48 degree. They are just in that staging zone. So, you know, 10 foot, 12 foot zones, maybe 15. If we get a little bit of a cold front, they'll push down that 15 uh, to 18 foot zone. But we're starting to see them uh, really hang around. You know, any kind of brush pile, of course, is going to hold those fish this time of year. But... We're starting to see them just come out, and actually, if you miss the brush pile, it's okay. They'll, they'll come out and bite. You don't have to hit on the structure. Uh, some of the best techniques working right now is any kind of crawl pattern, um, whether it's a lipless crank that you just kind of brush the pile, the brush pile with, um, a jerk bait that can be suspended just above it, or that crawl pattern. Uh, I love it. He loves, and I love a chigger crawl that's Texas rigged. And you just work that across the bottom real slow, short little hops, um, and, and you wait for that tick bite. They pick it up and, and uh, give them a second to grab it and walk with it and just give them the business. But it has been an incredible bite out there. Uh, and I'm, if I were you, I would be bass fishing with Matt Inslee if I could. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's some great, well, there's some great bass fishing in the state. Um, and I put a post out on Facebook that I was going to decide this afternoon. It's going to be, you know, in the high seventies at my house. And I have to decide whether I want to go chase big bass. And I was going to do that on a shore basis for a bunch of ponds. And there's some tremendous bass or whether I'm going to have a bottle of wine and have Wickstrom and Doverth work on some of our new releases with some food. And so I haven't told anybody what I'm doing yet, but Facebook overwhelmingly wanted me to go fishing. I, th I don't think they like my singing, Dustin. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't think there's a bad option there, and I, I don't think it's just singing at all. I think we just know you like to fish, too. <laughs> yeah. No, and I, 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 did, I do have a plan, and I'll announce it towards the end of the show. But any last comments before we let you go? Um, you know, I would say uh, if you want to book with us, get with us ASAP. We're starting to really fill up, whether it's for pike uh, here, post-spawn or pre-spawn and, and spawning pike. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, reach out to us, tightlineoutdoors.com. We've got a new web page up. You can check us out there. Facebook, of course, check us out, write us, comment, call us. We'd love to get you on the water and get you on these bites. We have an uh, excellent opportunity right now. All right, my friend. Thank you, and uh Good luck out there. I know that fishing is, we're just getting into the, my favorite. Every year season of the year is one of my favorite, and we're getting into 
one of the still one of the best big fish bites and the numbers bite is just going to get better till we get probably next month or two and it's just a time for people to be on the water thanks a lot for joining us dustin we'll talk to you again soon thanks Terry. you have a great day enjoy your fishing you you bet dustin ziegler (laughs) Uh, yeah i I heard that (laughs) you got me (laughs) so we're gonna uh we're gonna take a time out we come back We're going to talk about other ways to get on the water than just owning a big boat or shore fishing and how it's booming and how you can take advantage of it and get out on a lot of bodies water and catch these fish we're talking about. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. And speaking of Jack's, let's go to the phones. And joining us from Jack's Outdoor Gear is Nick Beveridge. Good morning, Nick. Hey, Terry. Hey, how you doing, Nick? You're from the Jack's East Store in Loveland. And one of your, well, let's set the stage for this. There's a lot more people getting into the outdoors because of COVID. And because of that, we got a lot more anglers out there. Or even people that just want to recreate on the water. And one of the things that's been booming, and it gives people who maybe they don't want to invest in a big boat, or maybe they want access to water that you can't put a big boat on, and that's kayaks and canoes, isn't it? Yeah, kayaks and canoes are a great way to get on many little bodies bodies of water, bigger bodies of water, and explore, and uh, some really good opportunities for fishing. And I think people look at it and they wonder, well, how much do I have to spend and what should I do? And I want to kind of take them through. First of all, if I'm looking for a kayak for fishing, what do I look for in a kayak? Well, you can fish from just about any kayak or canoe. Um, and certainly the traditional sit-in kayaks, you can get out and do some great exploring um, and, and good opportunities for fishing. Um, the the newer sit-on-top kayaks really offer uh, anglers and people who want to explore great opportunities um, for more comfortable and larger, more stable spaces for fishing. And, you know, some of those sit-on-top kayaks, like I've, I've had some of those myself, really are very stable, aren't they? Yeah, they, they really are. You know, um, I always tell people you're, you're most unstable when you're trying to get in or out of the thing in about four inches of water, uh, that's the, the most challenging thing. And of course, you, you know, you always want to be wearing your uh, personal flotation device uh, as well. Well, and on this time of the year, especially since you brought that up, let's hit on that real quick. The water is cold right now, and if you did fall in, having a a personal flotation device strapped to the kayak or a paddle board or a canoe probably isn't going to help you because you probably aren't going to be able to get back to that vehicle in the cold water. Please wear it folks. This is this time of the year. It is a, we had somebody join us from parks and wildlife and they call about the one ten one method. I think it was that and the water's this cold. You have about a minute to recover from that first gasp because it's so cold. Then you have about 10 minutes before your body quits functioning from hypothermia, then you have an hour about maybe survival at the most. So people really need to be careful out there. But that aside, they're stable. Um, I fished a lot out of kayaks. I don't feel uncomfortable. And you can just explore tons of different water, can't you? Yeah, it's a great way to, you know, really 
um, explore and, you know, they, you can move so quietly, you can really kind of put the sneak on the fish and it's a lot of fun. It really is. Now, are there certain ways? Uh, I know the kayaks, they have paddle, you know, you see the ones that are paddleable all the time. You see pedal drives, even electric motors. Do you have all of those available at Jack's? You know, we, um, we certainly have got a, a small selection of the, pe- um, of the traditional paddle kayaks. We're getting a few of the pedal drives in. Um, I don't think we've been able to get our hands on any of the uh, ones with the little trolling motors in them. Um, with demand being so high the last couple of years, manufacturers have just not been able to keep up with demand. Um, so we've really been able to stock um, Old Town Canoe um, boats, but we haven't been able to get uh, boats from Wilderness Systems or Perception this year at all. Um, but we will have a small assortment of some of the pedal drives and, and traditional uh, now, if, if, people are look, if people are looking for a kayak to fish out of, should they, are they going to get one that they're going to need to add a lot of accessories? Do they come with accessories or what should they add? You know, I think most of them are ready to hit the water. You have the option of adding some scupper plugs to, you know, give you some additional flotation um, and a little bit more, more, uh, be a little more agile and mobile on the water to move around. Um, but most of them will come with, you know, rod holders. You'll have, you know, little trays for, uh, tackle and, um, cup holders, but you can add rod holders. You can add fish finders. Um, you can add little mounts for your camera, your GoPro. So the sky's really the limit with that, the extra features you can kind of add to them. And, you know, um, they give you such an advantage. First of all, you can get on virtually any water with them. If it's a big lake, you have to be a little more careful of wind and other boats. But certainly you see them all the time. On I see them out here at Horsetooth. I see them on Cherry Creek. I see them down at Pueblo. So they're all over. And you can fish all the things we've been talking about. In fact, there's some fishing down in the southeast of Colorado that it really is only accessible by kayaks and canoes. And it's some of the best fishing in the state. And I'll put that, uh, that podcast up on my, my uh, Facebook page so people can revisit that. But there's also waters that you can get on before the inspectors are on, as long as you're not putting a trailer in. And a lot of waters that are small enough where the only access is a kayak or a canoe. Uh, some of the ponds I bass fish, people are out in, in, in kayaks and canoes all the time. And it's really a great, successful way to approach those now, what's the difference if I'm looking at a kayak or canoe? Explain why people should choose one or the other. Um, kayaks are traditionally a little bit more maneuverable and easier to and faster to move around in a lake or body of water. Um, they do make some single-man uh, canoes that are really nice. Uh, Old Town makes the Sportsman Discovery 119 uh, where the seat's elevated enough. You can do some great angling out of it. Um, and it's very maneuverable. And then uh, the two-person tandem uh, canoes are really great for families to get out. You can have two, maybe three people in them, um, carry a little bit more gear, your cooler and that kind of stuff, and uh, really fun for families to get out in. Now, are the canoes as stable as the kayaks, or do you have to, is there a little bit more of a learning process? I think there's a little bit more of a learning process, and um, there's a little bit more rocker to them. Um, as well as there's more variables with having two people in the boat, people leaning in different directions that can uh, shift you a little bit more easily. 
Now, if people want to get into a kayak or a canoe, what are kind of the starting starting price ranges? Yeah, our canoes and kayaks generally start around five six hundred dollars, and then kind of go up from there with the kind of features that you're looking for. Um, yeah. And last, what I want to know is I want you to share some of your favorite places to go fishing in a kayak. Yeah, so locally I live in Longmont and work in Loveland, like we discussed. And um, I I get out to Lawn Hagler when I've got some time by myself. Um, But my girlfriend, Rebecca, and I love to go up to Pinewood Reservoir up above Carter. Uh, It's a nice kind of secluded place locally. Uh, And then when time permits, we like to get up towards Cameron Pass and go up to Joe Wright chase some of the big ones at Delaney Buttes and that kind of stuff. I'll tell you what, if anybody wants to catch fish out of a kayak, those grayling at Joe Wright will cooperate. You probably don't want to go up there till almost July because it doesn't take, the ice doesn't come off, but boy, can it be a lot of fun. So, so Nick, if people want to come by and see you, are you at the store today? I sure will be. Yep. And that's the east one, and you've got the kayaks. So, folks, if you're interested, kayak fishing and canoe fishing is just more and more of our water is accessible, and that's the only way it's accessible. And it's just a great way if you don't want to invest in a big boat, especially to get out there and enjoy it. Nick, thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you, Terry. You bet. That's a Nick Beveridge from uh, Jack's Outdoor Gear, uh, kayaks and canoes. In fact, the next gentleman coming up, Mr. Chad Lachance, is a, a small small craft fisherman himself at times. I'm sure he'll touch on that. All that more coming up on Cherry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. To Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go to the phones and joining us as he does every other week is Chad Lachance. Good morning, Chad. Hey, good morning, Terry. You know, since the wind never blows, as we could tell by the last few days, the wind in the springtime never blows here in Colorado, so it should have minimal effect on your fishing, right? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I just heard the weather lady today, and she's like, well, it's going to be a little breezy today, 20 gusting to 30. And I'm like, that's your idea of a little breezy, huh? <laughs> but yeah, you know, the the wind around here these days, uh, or, or this time of year, can always be sketchy, and really any time of year. But, uh, you know, and a lot of times, and, and you and I will agree, when the wind blows, the fish bite really well. And I'm, some of my stronger or toughest days of fishing have been when the wind didn't blow at all. But there's a fine line between wind that's helpful and wind that's, you know, downright a nuisance to fish in. And we don't always get to choose those or commonly the wind will come up in the afternoon as it's predicted to today. Uh, and you have to deal with it as an angler and, and as a guide and, and, you know, guys been traveling around filming forever. It's something we've learned to, to make some adjustments to our tackle. And, and the easy answer for me, Terry, is it, it turns into a hard bait game. It's uh, as soon as the wind really gets ripping, I start thinking about a hard bait. What I mean by that is something, uh, a crankbait, a lipless crankbait, a jerkbait, something uh, folks might think of it as a treble hooked bait, but, uh, but some sort of a hard body bait that has some resistance in the water column when you go to retrieve it. And it doesn't really matter if I'm fishing for trout up at Delaney on a windy day or walleyes or, or bass, uh, you know, here on the, on the front range. It doesn't matter. The, the concept is the same. The hard baits will play and there's a couple things about it that help. One of them being hard, <clears throat> hard baits tend to vibrate and make noise. A lot of them have rattles in them. Um, they tend to vibrate or they have built-in swimming action to them that's relatively aggressive. 
Um, and that'll help fish locate the bait. The fish in that environment, it's a very quote unquote noisy environment. There's a lot of, a lot of things that are distracting to the fish when the wind's really ripping, the light is diffused going into the water. A lot of times you become, uh, mud becomes an issue or stained water becomes an issue and fish can use their lateral line and their hearing and their other senses to find their bait, find your bait, you know, whereas otherwise they're primarily sight feeders. And so that's important to be able to have the fish locate your bait. It's also important to be able to know where your bait is in the water column and have enough tension on the line that you can feel what that thing is doing. Cause as we all know, the wind will blow a big bow in your line and, uh, and stuff like that. And so by having a hard bait, I can retrieve it on tight line and have a pretty good idea of what the bait's doing all the time. And I also have a pretty good chance that the fish and a noisy environment will locate it. So Probably the first bait I'm going to think of right off the bat is a lipless crankbait. Uh, folks might think of a, of a rattle trap being the, the inventor of that genre, a war pig, a vibe, a drum. There's a bunch of different brands that make them. But a lipless crankbait is heavy, it's dense, it's easy to cast, it puts off a ton of noise in the water column, vibrates at high speed, and can be retrieved at a high rate of speed, and is at its best when it's retrieved at a high rate of speed. So it's a good choice for in the wind. It's probably the first thing I grab uh, for bass, walleyes, or trout is a, a lipless crankbait. Well, and I um, couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more because the other thing you're up against, not only the bow in your line and making a finesse presentation gets very difficult, but boat control. If, the bo- if you're having trouble holding your boat in place or if it's moving along, you don't know where those finesse presentations are in the water column, as you alluded to earlier. And with a lipless crankbait, I can cover so much water. If my boat control's a little off, I can compensate for it. Absolutely. And because your retrieves are relatively quick, if your boat is drifting, it keeps your boat from, from messing your retrieve up as well. It doesn't take me as long to get the bait back to the boat. The other thing about a lipless crankbait is I can fish them on, on windy banks. You can fish them parallel to banks because they don't dive. If you close your bail right away and retrieve them with the, with the rod tip high at a high rate of speed, you can work them in, you know, foot of water without a lot of problem or two feet for sure. So, um, it can be a really good choice. And I don't, I'm not an advocate of ducking the wind in terms of going to the sheltered side of the lake with the possible exception of if it's so windy that you can't make accurate presentations. And to that end, um, it becomes a sidearm deal for me. I don't throw anything overhand in the wind. I want to keep that, that lure trajectory on a cast as low to the water as I can. And then the first thing I'm going to do when I close the, I'm going to close the bail before the bait hits the water so that there's no chance of slack being pulled out by the wind. And then I'm going to drop the rod tip into the water unless I just have to keep my bait really shot, really, you know, really shallow. I'm going to drop the rod tip immediately and get all that line to settle onto the surface of the water and away from the wind. And that's a really important thing. And when you combine those with the fact that it's a bait you're going to wind under tension, whether it be a lipless crankbait or a, or a square bill crankbait or, you know, whatever, uh, you can generally keep pretty good control of what's going on. I think another thing I would recommend, unless you're really a seasoned angler, I notice you're using a spin spinning rod for this, and I would too. Unless you're extremely seasoned in these harsh winds, it's most people will have trouble working a bait caster. They'll end up with severe backlash when the wind catches their cast. 
Absolutely. Or they'll end up with very short casts, one or the other. And I'm, I've been fishing bait casting here my entire life, and I'm very proficient with it. I still gravitate to spinning rods. And these days, there's no real reason to not, other than line twist, which is something you should be able to control with slack line control. There's no real reason to not use a spinning rod for anything you want. Uh, because we have braided line, if I need heavier line or heavier rod, I could buy that these days. It's not that it's, it's less... Uh, strong tackle let's say than than casting gear that used to be the case when we had monofilament line that you couldn't throw big heavy line but i can throw a 30 pound braid on a spinning rod without any problem if i want to so say i'm pike fishing something like that now we have a couple minutes left and i know we want to talk about your upcoming class but before we get to that the, the last thing about the wind that most weekend anglers struggle with is boat control now with today's trolling motors with the GPS built in and spot lock and, and, and a GPS trails and stuff. You can overcome a lot of that, but as soon as you turn that boat away from the wind and not into the wind, you're just, you're just not going to get fishing control. No, absolutely. And, and boat control will lead to more catching than, than a lot of people I think realize. Um, for, you know, for me, I always want to fish into the wind if at all possible. Uh, that doesn't mean I necessarily want to be casting into the wind. I generally like to cast 45 degrees into to downstream, similar as I would in running water. I'm going to cast 45 up to 45 down. I'm not going to throw straight up or straight down in very many scenarios. Uh, that's the same thing in the wind, and I try to get my boat to crab. So I'll put the big motor on the back and tilt it all the way to one side or the other with the steering wheel, and then I can get the boat to crab at 45 degrees down the bank uh, by steering it with the trolling motor or down a drift line or something. And I will say this, for the trollers out there, if the wind comes up, immediately, if you're if you're even remotely interested in trolling, trolling is much easier in the wind than, uh, than a lot of other things. And if I'm ever going to gravitate to trolling, as you know, I'm not a troller, but if I'm going to do it, it's probably going to be on a day where making good presentations by casting is not a good choice. All right. Last thing, Chad, you have a sonar GPS class coming up that's always been extremely popular. Tell us about it. Yes, sir. Um, we have moved that date to May 7th because Inlet Bay will not be open uh, the early date we had scheduled. But May 7th, it's a class for up to eight people. There's four per boat. Myself and Dan Swanson teach it. It's a three-hour class, and the whole point is real-world application of your sonar and GPS. So about the first 30 or 45 minutes of the class, we have the boats tied together. We tell it, we, we go through all the, the fundamentals you need to understand of what the limitations are of a transducer, how it works, uh, your networking, your basic stuff like that, all the stuff that you need to understand, the settings and things like that. And then we break apart the two boats and we go on a prescribed route where we have photos of the bottom. So you know what you're actually looking at in the boat, only now the lake's full. So when we go over it, I can show you in the real world, this is what's down there. But now when we look at it, we can see the limitations of sonar, uh, data management, um, the 3D imaging that you see, the side scanning, the down scanning, as well as uh, on both of our boats now, the, the real-time image, which is the latest thing where you can literally watch stuff swim up to the front of your boat in real time. Uh, so it's there's a lot to understand to these units, and they're not a not an inexpensive thing. I mean, there's a lot. You can spend a lot of money on sonar and GPS these days. And, and what we find is that a lot of people don't understand the limitations thereof or conversely, the strengths thereof. And that's what we try to teach them. And, and just for the record, Terry, Dan Swanson's a lot smarter than I am. And he is a uh, retired electrical engineer. So he understands it from the nuts and bolts all the way up. He was an early adopter. He had one of Lawrence's green boxes back in the day. 
And, uh, and so, yeah, he is a, one of the leading experts in the entire country. And so it's always a joy to teach, uh, teach a class with Dan by your side. We are out of time. Real quick, how do they sign up? Fishfulthinker.com. If you just go there, you'll click, run down the page. You'll see it pretty quick. You can sign up classes May 7th at Horse Tooth Reservoir. All right, my friend. We will talk to you again very soon. Thanks very much, Terry. Always appreciate it. You bet. Chad Lachance. We'll take a quick time out. When we come back, I'll reveal whether I'm bass fishing or doing music this afternoon on the patio. On Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. <laughs> Got you down and the world's crashing all around. You can always count on me. All right, you're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, 1043 The Fan. By the way, Count On Me is our number one song for Wickstrom and Dobrith on our, our current releases. They're out on most streaming services. So go give it a listen. We'd certainly appreciate it. Now, I said, I posted on Facebook earlier that I couldn't decide this afternoon whether I would go bass fishing or work on some new releases for Wickstrom and Dobrith and have some wine on the patio while we did that, which also sounds very inviting. So I asked for your thoughts. Overwhelmingly, you wanted me to go fishing, which put me in a quandary because we really do need to work on some of these songs. But... I love to go fishing, and you know that. So I found the solution. I snuck out yesterday and did the bass fishing. Actually got into some real nice, chunky bass. And what I will do is probably tomorrow, could be later today, but probably tomorrow, I will put a post up that talks about how I approach some of these ponds from shore, what type of baits I use. And I'll give you a few pictures of some really nice, chunky bass I got all in public water, all uh, all available to all of you, and with techniques that you can easily master. So I'll put a, a post up about that. So I did get the bass fishing in because everybody, but I got it in yesterday. So now this afternoon it will be the patio and some wine, and we'll be working on our music. You know, join us every Saturday here from 9 to 11. Occasionally we get bumped around, but usually it's 9 to 11. And if you love the programming here, we're on, you know, just all outdoors. We want to get you out and really enjoy the outdoors. Um, Follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. And we'd be more than happy to just share the information with you. We put podcasts up there. We put videos up there. We put fishing reports up there. We put current information. So if you're an outdoor enthusiast, you want to follow Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. And you want to tune in here. The weather's going to affect the fishing on and off. We're going to have some up and down weather. The bass ponds are on fire. There's really great trout fishing going on right now. The walleyes are taking off. If you missed some of the show today, you want to find out what's going on in southeast Colorado. Incredible fishing. I want to thank Ty for keeping us on the air. Thank Karen for putting this show together. And thank all of you for listening. We'll let the Eagles. Take us to the top of the hour in sports on 104.3 The Fan.